Welcome back to The Backmarkers, the F1 podcast for new fans, by new fans. My name is Mike Hurley and I'm joined by my team principal, Austin Evans. Hi, Austin. Hello, my friends, and welcome to 2023. How was the winter break for you? Winter break's been good. I got to that point, I think, in the season where I was like, I've had a real good time here, but I think I'm good now. Yep. You know, like... Uh, and then the season went away. Now, I cannot wait for this weekend. My hype levels right now are off the charts. Like today, yeah. as we recorded, they released the uh, opening titles. It's one of my favorite parts of the year when they release the opening titles. Baby, oh yeah, I'm so in. How was your winter <laughs> break, Austin? Good. I was in the exact same boat. I think... Last year was their first full year. Oh, look at you. Look at you, your Mercedes energy. If you're watching live, remember we, we record this live. We record it on video as well as the audio. I am drinking a very clear Mercedes energy today. No other brands uh, acceptable. Mercedes could, energy only. Clearly Rich Energy 2.0. But um, yeah, no, Mercedes it was like, energy. Yes. I looked forward to it and it let me down a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> No, man, but no, it was, it was a good break. I totally agree. I think last year with us doing the shows every single week or, well, every single uh, race, it was mm-hmm. a lot. I can't imagine what it's like to actually have to travel from place to place dealing with the jet lag. Like, I think us just recording the show last year gave me a lot more appreciation for the drivers, and especially the teams who have to pack everything up, fly to the next place, and do that over and over and over again. But I will say it is very good to be back. That's actually a pretty nice segue into our new segment, scheduling discussions. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this is a new season, right? We're back. We're still doing the show. We are not going to be recording an episode for every race this year. Um, It was, and the backmarkers is something I love doing because I love this sport and I love spending time with Austin. We both love doing this together. It was got to a point last year where just our lives were made more complicated because <laughs> I had to always watch the races in my studio. You know, we couldn't just, it was difficult if I wanted to like watch a race somewhere else. We recorded some when we were both on vacations. Like, so this year we will not have a fixed schedule. So we have the preseason and we'll obviously have a postseason. My expectation is we will do episodes frequently enough throughout the year, big news, and, and just if we want to do one. So we're going to be infrequent now uh, as a schedule, but you can expect us to be in your podcast player or your YouTube uh, subscription feed multiple times this year. Absolutely, yeah. And I think it's just definitely one of those things where I think for our sanity, it is much nicer because in the middle of our weekends, it's it's one thing to watch the race. And like you said, it's a very different thing for us to go through and set up all the recording gear and say, oh, sorry, I'll see you in a couple hours. It's time to go record. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy for us to not have to just do every single episode, even when some of the boring races are there, but to really yeah. focus the show on the big moments, the big things we really want to talk about. And hopefully you enjoy the ride. Yeah, I would say people probably don't need our opinions in every single race, right? And yep. so, like, considering we're not commentators in that way, more, you know, fans, then I think it makes more sense for us to just jump in multiple times this year, let you know how we're feeling about the season, what's going on, what's not. So that's what you can expect from us this year. And this episode, we're starting out action-packed. We have so many things to get to. <sighs> 
Shall we start with Drive to Survive? I think chronologically that makes the most sense. So we it start does. with something from last year before moving to this year. So yeah. Can I start the discussion with a, sta- a quick statement about Drive to Survive Season 5? Please do. It's just a one-line thing. Return to form. Yes. Yes. I completely, yep. completely agree. Obviously, they went there was... off the rails for Season <laughs> 4. <laughs> yeah. And to be fair, they did put a little bit of that in. I don't know if you saw... Uh, I forget what episode it was. But they did kind of allude to a little bit of the Daniel and Lando kind of like stuff. And they definitely were using some not particularly flattering clips of, of Lando from time to time talking about Daniel, which... Uh, again, I think we discussed this a little bit last year. I do believe yeah. that there was a tiny bit of something there, nowhere near what the way that they had kind of blown it up to be. But on mm-hmm. the whole of it, a much more reasonable, a much mm-hmm. more realistic season, especially after uh, uh, the criticism, right, which I think was incredibly yeah. strong. Not only last year, some other seasons as well. You know, uh, Famously, uh, Max didn't uh, really take part in Drive to Survive for season four, uh, which he is back for season five. But I definitely think that they struck mm. a much more reasonable balance if maybe not the absolute most exciting episode or season of the show they've ever made so what i liked about it um is that they just spent more time focusing on the actual stories that happened rather than trying to find things that didn't you know and you mentioned it right it was i actually think the carlos and lando theme from season three was worse because Mm. like there was no trouble between the two yeah yeah. And they tried to make it so. And with Daniel and Lando, my kind of feeling on that, because I noticed it in the episode two, is that I think that Lando, for some reason, is maybe, I don't know if it's if the issue was Lando or Daniel Ricardo, that the press kept asking these kinds of questions, like, do you yeah. have sympathy? And it's like, I'm not really sure what that was about. Like, I feel like this is not a thing that we hear with other team pairings of, like, do people want to know, oh, do you feel bad for your teammate? Like, and I really like the way that Lando would just answer, but no, I don't. Like, I yeah. have no sympathy for him. And he shouldn't, ha- he shouldn't have to have sympathy for him because he's not performing in the same car. Like, I, but anyway, I, just in general, this season was su- did such a good job of focusing on the actual stories. I absolutely loved, my favorite part was the double episode about the McLaren, Alpine, mm-hmm. Oscar Piastri thing. Even though they took a bit of a shortcut but yeah. like the actual end of that story did play out in a contract law court and they just were like, everyone settled it and it's fine. Like, but I understand sometimes you've just got to jump to the end if it's the result is still the same. Yeah. But it was fascinating to see the week-to-week inner workings of that whole yeah. thing. Um, there was some interesting editing which didn't really make sense to me as such like with uh, Otmar talking about like um, seem, seemingly unprompted the amount of investment they put into Oscar Piastri. Like, I'm not <laughs> sure that, that that was something that he would really care about. I mean, it didn't seem like to the outside right. they were ever considering him earlier than they were, if mm. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like, it never felt like at any point until it happened that he was going to be in the Alpine seat in 2023. Like, yeah. they would have kept Alonso and they weren't getting rid of Ocon. So, like, it was a strange thing anyway and that's i mean that's why piastri did what he did and i respect him for that i thought he came off pretty well um in the whole thing uh so but yeah i loved that i I felt like they got all the right footage at all the right time all the right conversations yeah 
the catching the live reactions to Seb all went when like uh, yeah when Perez was at doing it. an interview right yeah. that was so good. Oh, I loved that it was no, like uh, Seb has Instagram <laughs> 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 that was so good no I think that was probably my biggest takeaway of this season um, they had so many more team principles mic'd for so many key moments like clearly in the past there were some moments where like. Obviously, the team invited Netflix down when they're going to yep. you know, sign someone or whatever like for some of these bigger moments or they're going to clandestinely meet behind the paddock, whatever nonsense like that, right? But it felt like this time... It was it was great to see like Otmar and Zach like walking back and forth. It's just it's it's you kind of just kind of imagine you always hear these stories about you know team principals and drivers kind of taking meetings with other teams and all this kind of sort of shady sort of yep. dealings. But it's another thing when you see like literally Otmar or Zach just walking into the other teams like hey and you talk to Zach or whatever and just walking in and just like yep. obviously them still being mic'd up. Like I sometimes wonder how much the uh the team principals and the drivers and stuff really forget that they're on hot mics because there's I think they forget all the time. It's I mean and I understand it too because I mean I wear a lot of like microphones like you know labs like that are mounted to my shirt and obviously uh no typically I put this little mute button that I press when I'm walking out to go to the bathroom or whatever but so often I've been like out to lunch and I still have a microphone on or whatever and it's just you don't think about so you imagine when every almost every second in the paddock is being sort of recovered like uh the one shot I was really surprised when they um did the the Daniel episode. And Daniel was kind of like, Checo was asking him, like, oh, when did you find out? And you can tell he's kind of whispering because the audience is there and you know, the press is there. He's like, oh, it's over the winter break. We were talking about it. Like, but the fact that they were like whispering about that and it was still clearly picked up, it's just like one of those things where it's like, damn, man, like as a driver, you got to be careful. Obviously, it makes great TV, but you got to be careful because there's so much stuff there that clearly no one really wanted to be publicized. I think Christian Horner got bit by that a few times when they were doing the cost cap episodes. Yeah. Him to the camera. No, no, it's all good. We didn't do nothing. And then like behind the scenes, oh no, (laughs) all the headlines tomorrow. It's going to be so bad. You know, like I I thought that was, that was really interesting. The cost cap thing. So that's the thing, the cost cap and the McLaren Alpine Piastri thing were the biggest drama parts of the season with one asterisk we'll get to in a minute. Mm. Uh, behind the scenes like the team stuff yeah and i love that they gave big episodes to those things like that is exactly what i want to be seeing from drive to survive like yeah not just showing what the on track stuff was like but also trying to give a view to people of the drama the politics the real stuff that's happening because in seasons one and two that was what drew me in and i think it's what drew most people in of like seeing the inner workings and like the game of thronesness of it all i think is what makes the sport enticing to new drive to survive fans and i'm happy that they went back to that rather than like these guys hate each other let's try and show you why right like i just think it was good um like all of the cost cap stuff was was fascinating. Yeah. Um. It, again, it was like they kind of left Aston Martin out because Aston Martin did also <sighs> breach, right? Like not in yeah. the same way, but like they they did all. But they were just like ah, whatever, don't worry about it. But that was interesting. Yeah, um, I think they did a good job of cleanly telling a lot of these stories, right? Especially if you look mm-hmm. at like the episodes, right? So there, uh, the episodes. There's what uh, ten episodes. And all of them were relatively short, but the first few were much longer, and the rest of them were all like 30-ish minutes. And I like that they chose to do that, and I like that they chose yeah. to really kind of silo each thing. 
Um, mm-hmm. as, I mean, obviously, as someone who watched the entire season, I was really trying to stay plugged in. I was well aware of a lot of that stuff. But especially, like, I know in Drive to Survive sometimes in the past, it gets a little muddy. There's so many, like, people, so many characters, so many things to keep track of. It was nice, like, oh, they did a Pierre and Yuki episode. They did an episode with all about letting principles and at the end and blah, blah, blah. Like, they kind of really sort of broke things down, I think, a nice sort of very easy to digest sort of way. So, yeah, mm-hmm. generally, like, really, really happy with the season. Like, I think that they did a lot of things right. And I love absolutely love the way they started the season with Mattia and Gunther in the little Fiat driving so around. Good. Like, oh. like, look, Gunther, Gunther is, is the star. <laughs> star, 100%. Especially now, and I loved the, like, in memoriam to Daniel Ricciardo that they did at the yeah, end. Right, when yeah. they did the, like, it's like he's, but, like, for them, it is a problem, right? Daniel yes. Ricciardo has been the star of the show. I can't even tell you why, really. He seems like a nice guy. And also, like, he was the big silly season thing right in the first season so they kind of just like followed him around a lot and people he's a likable guy people got to him but now Gunther's the star Gunther's the star of the show everyone was making jokes at him right as they're walking around like (laughs) I loved all of that like that was super good we should make a drinking game next year every time he says I have to call Gene take a shot because you'd be obliterated I make fun of it (laughs) so much when we're watching it at home I'm like oh he's gonna have to go call Gene now (laughs) Gunther. It's so good though. I I just love like honestly, Gunther is so like you can tell that like I'm sure Drive to Survive is a major reason why Haas are still in the sport and Gunther still has his job. Like I feel pretty confident that that is at least a consideration because he is the star of that. Like none of the other team principals come close. Like obviously Toto and all the other guys and like I would say Christian's probably the next closest to like being an actual star of the thing. But like (sighs) dude, the the line. Oh my god, dude, there's so many funny lines, but the line where he's like, I'm gonna hug the paddock. I was laughing yeah. out loud on the plane at like and he's like, What did I say? <laughs> What's the problem? We go, wait, uh, we apologize for the language. Whole paddock. <laughs> That was like his introduction to the season. As well. I think it was like after the the like the wine thing. It's like that's him. Like oh, I'm in. Oh, my one God. of the things I found funny in the whole season is like it's the way they presented it. Silverstone was the most important race of the year. Yeah, right. Like we watched the Silverstone thing like four times, and it was a pivotal moment for a bunch of reasons, and like it played into a lot of the stories they wanted to tell. But it is just funny that like it's just the way it goes, right? Yeah. That, that some season, I mean, because again, it's like the, the really the season was done about halfway through, right? Like mm-hmm. from from the constructors' part, but like that race, that that Silverstone race was a big deal. Like it yeah. was a big deal. It was a big deal in the Mercedes story, right? Yeah. I think things could have looked very different for them. Like uh, they probably would have got two on the podium that weekend. Protect- mm-hmm. I mean, that was their best shot at it. It was their first shot at it. And of course, you've got you know the story of so many cars getting knocked out in that. Like it, it really did help. Like it was like a kind of a splintering point for a bunch of the stories that were going on. But it was it was just kind of funny that like how many different ways they tried to show the accidents. Um, I liked the Yuki episode too. It was sweet. It, it kind of makes me feel sad for yeah. Yuki. Really, like I feel no for the guy. He, he, no, and. I will say Nick DeVries. It's like, oh, like don't know much about the guy. Like I've I've seen some stuff from here and there, but he seems serious. Yeah. So they also did a really good job, I think, of setting up this year, like more than yes. they do normally. Yeah. Like they, they they spent a lot of time with the rookies that are coming in, and also at the end, right? Like getting them all to sit down and be like, these are the faces now. Like yeah. get to know all these guys. Maybe the I love I. 
one minor critique, one bigger minor critique. I didn't pay enough attention to Seb. I don't know if he didn't want to be involved very much, but like Daniel Ricciardo, bless him, not as important as Seb. Yes. Not like, because as well, because Daniel's still around, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like, what about what happened to Latifi? It's like no, no, Dude, no one worries about I, that. Did he get like I saw him for like a second mm-hmm. as like in it. passing, and that yeah. was it. But to be fair, that was what it was like for us at the end of the season, right? It was like, oh, Seb's retiring. Oh, poor Danny Rick. Oh, and I guess Nicholas Latifi's gone as well. Like that yeah. was what it was like. So it kind of wasn't really much point in doing. I mean, anything they gave they there. gave some time to Mick. I mean, I, I I get obviously that they're making entertainment. They're not just giving you yep. a dry, boring recap. But and Mick yeah. has a good life story. Like Mick, Mick's just overall story, yeah, is a good one, right? Yeah. To, to Kind of play. And that was um, amazing old footage that they pulled up of um, of Michael Schumacher and um, uh, the Verstappens. Yeah, Verstappen and, and like talking about yep. like how they were like going out on holiday no together. Stuff. Yeah, that was really cool. And especially that clip yeah. of like, oh, are your sons going to be you know Formula One drivers or whatever? And they're like, yeah, we, we're going to you know we're going to drive or whatever. It's like, oh wow, that's that's just like really neat stuff. Like I had yeah. never seen that before. So it was nice. There is something about that that makes me feel sad for Mick Schumacher though. Of course, of course. He had a shot and it didn't No, but like when you're like, oh, Mick and Max grew up together and they're going to fight out. No, 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 they're really not. One of them is a once in a lifetime driver. You know, like it's it's not, I don't think so. Can we talk about Max? Let's talk about Max. Uh, Okay, should we just get the elephant in the room out of the way? Uh, The whole Monaco thing? Because they completely washed over that so for context this completely i i honestly don't even understand why they why they made an episode about it it doesn't make any sense to me yeah because like they made they tried to make this whole thing and i mean to be fair the way that they showed it does make it seem absolutely ludicrous that checo tried to do that on purpose right to try to hold on to third at monaco over fourth or whatever like and i to be fair i still don't believe that checo did that on purpose like that just that's no i don't i've never believed it it's, it's such a galaxy brain kind of move of like how you're going to know that it's going to rain and that the Ferrari's going to have these problems and everything just to get like an extra position, like one yeah, extra Yeah, but also spot. like getting third at Monaco whatever means you're going to finish third at Monaco. Like it's not – like my, in my mind, I'd forgotten this story and yeah. because I, know, I knew that Checo won Monaco, right? Yeah. So in my mind, it was, oh, he was – first and yes, crashed so same. he could maintain his first but yep. no he was third yep. and like the, the thing you know but the, the story goes right that the reason that max got very upset in brazil and would not let checo pass him was because of monaco that mm. was what was said and it was said widely enough that it seems like it was true right it's, but I, I mean that he had some kind of grudge against him that they worked out but the thing that i also don't understand is like, they had Max talk about it, and he was just like, it happens. Yeah, which... <sighs> I didn't get that. I didn't yeah. get it. It just didn't make sense to me. It kind of was like... They're obviously aware enough, right? Yeah. That drive to it honestly feels like, and I think a lot of people have made this comparison, it's like, did Red Bull have some kind of control, or Max have some kind of control about how this was said for him coming back to the show for this season? Like, yeah. I don't think I believe that, really. But I also, I don't understand why they even had the Monaco thing as a thing 
because it it highlights it puts this bit of highlight on it. But maybe they yeah. want it too. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I do understand that you know that was a pivotal moment for Checo. You know, he won this huge prestigious race. Mm-hmm. He was able to get his contract extension. Like that was a big story. I, I understand that, and I do. If I'm being charitable, understand it from the drive to survive perspective of that you're going to paint the champion Max in this sort of super negative light based on rumors, which I don't think you're probably going to get a lot of good tape on people. Like, like you're probably getting a bunch of people saying like, yeah, Max clearly did this or that. And, you know, especially if Max is being like, oh, it's no big deal. Like they probably would have had to really heavily spin it to include that, even though it does seem pretty likely that there was something much more nefarious going on. But I do kind of understand that being said, I, I don't believe that Red Bull said no. I believe that the producers probably said, we don't have a lot of great tape to make this story. It's going to very much upset Red Bull, who are really the stars, uh, you, know, you know, especially Christian. Like, they're, it seems like they hang out at Christian's house every other weekend to like shoot yeah. the, 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 the doc and stuff. So I, I do understand why they didn't include it. It is just a rumor. But like, I think at the very least, there could have been like some allusion to like something was going on because they definitely did not make Max look bad at all. And I think that he absolutely made a fool of himself at brazil and i think I don't understand why they didn't end the episode with the brazil footage yeah like, why they're not just to do it, that they're trying to be like, promo, but why man. not just do that they're trying to be promo they're trying not to make the world champion look bad they want people to watch it they don't want people to actively dislike max and then not want to watch it or why? they don't want to upset f1 or whatever the case is like I get yeah. it. It, it. They shouldn't have done it, but I do kind of understand for them to be a little I bit I agree biased. with you. Like, I understand why they didn't do it, but it was also just all of it was strange. Like, yeah. You could have told the Checo story without including any footage from qualifying at all. Yeah, yeah, totally. It, it, the, col- the qualifying part wasn't important because like, they were trying to paint it as like he's unreliable and keeps crashing and all that kind of stuff, which yeah. I actually don't think was realistic about Pacheco at that time. Like, the Red Bull yeah. was having problems. Um but yeah, it was just it was a strange it was a strange story to tell out of all the stories that they could have told, knowing full well the ramifications of that incident. Yeah. That that was like the weird part of it. Um but I agree, like they they should No, you know, what? I was gonna say they should have the world champion involved. I don't agree with that because last year yeah. he wasn't involved and you yep. wouldn't have noticed, right? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. This year, he maybe spoke to the camera twice and none of the things were really worth adding in. Like, I don't think they need the participation of everyone to be able to tell the stories that they want to tell. Yeah, I just, I do think that there's probably broader things at play. Like, obviously, they want to continue to have the license to make this. And I know F1 wants it, but also I'm sure there are certain lines where, whether it's the teams or whether it's F1 themselves or whatever, are going to be like, nah, this, this is too much or whatever. Like, yeah. I'm sure that that's at least a consideration when they're crafting these episodes and crafting these yeah. narratives and stuff. If like, F1 have some kind of handle in it, they don't want to make it look like one of their drivers is fixing the sport for himself. Correct. And to be fair, the way I understand it, Drive to Survive does have full creative freedom, right? Like, F1 cannot just come in and veto things as far as I know. However, what F1 can do is if they don't like it, they just won't let them make another season, right? I think that's kind of the way the difference is, which ultimately, at the end of the day, this is a very successful thing for everyone involved. And I'm sure there's a lot of pressure to kind of uh, sweep some things under the rug at certain points, especially if they don't have a super compelling way to tell. Like, if they had a smoking gun of Max being like, yeah, F you, Checo, or whatever the case is, if they had something like that, I do think they probably would have included it because that would have been such an amazing bit of tape. But I think yeah, I guess they didn't have a great way of telling it and they are going to really jeopardize things. So I'm sure they're like, you know what? 
let's just let this thing move on and we'll just kind of forget about it. But yeah, yeah, man, it was, it was a good season though. I very Super much enjoyed good. it. Yeah. It felt like it was well paced. There was a lot of good information. And as always, especially, you know, after the last couple of years, which were less than uh, stellar, very much got me excited for the season, yeah, me refreshed, too. ready yep. to go. Um, and we've got a lot to talk about with the season yep. too, because we yep. the, the drive to survive is only just a small part of the episode today. So let's go through these again. We'll go through in chronological order. Uh, we will do livery review. Yes. Uh, last year was wildly exciting, right? Because we mm-hmm. had not only brand new livers, but also we had brand new cars. It was our first time mm-hmm. seeing the actual 2022 cars. Uh, for 2023, the cars are essentially the same. There are some minor differences with some detail pieces and obviously evolution. But I would say you really can't tell a 2023 car apart from a 2022, which means that the liveries, I think, are by and large not wildly exciting. Are there any standouts? Do you maybe just want to go through them one by one and kind of vote them? How do you, how do you feel? I think we should try and rank them. Okay. And I think this time we should try and come up with some kind of consensus to the ranking. Got it. Okay. Right. We should start with probably what's bottom, which is Red Bull. I will say, I would have to think a little bit. I don't know if it's going to be bottom, bottom, but definitely bottom tier. So I I would be okay putting Red Bull on bottom for now because it's the exact same as last year and as the last 10 years or whatever. It's the exact same of a non-exciting livery. Yeah, It's just... The blue and the and the rebel logo, it's and classic, now well, but... really they're now Oracle. Right? It's the name that you would get yeah. from Red Bull. Yeah, I mean, is I guess it's a classic, but like it it's, doesn't. It is pretty iconic. Excite like, me in any way. I, I, I do agree, but you could also say the same thing about like you know the old Williams or, or the old McLaren or whatever, and like oh people maybe maybe were saying like oh it's just white and orange whatever, and then now it's an absolute classic. I think it will age well. But I agree, it is, they just aren't changing it. They just keep it the same year after year after year. So it's the RB19. I actually have the perfect counterpoint for you, which is okay. Ferrari. Yeah, okay. I mean, that is actually right? properly iconic, yeah. Which is the next one, where like, that is an iconic thing where realistically it's just a red car every time. But this Ferrari is sick. They fixed it. They fixed last year's Ferrari. Do you know why, Austin? Because this color's red. It ain't maroon. It's actually red this time. Ferrari five stars, top of the list. Love it. I I love the Ferrari. I will say I was a huge fan of the livery last year. I do think that this red is better. But I also will say that there is a very much a black theme going throughout, largely due to weight savings. A lot of teams yeah, are genius, right? Yeah, yeah, are basically trying to save that you know few hundred grams or however much it costs. Actually, I don't know how much it weighs to paint a whole car, but whatever the case is, most people are trying to save the weight by just using the exposed carbon. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think a carbon fiber looks dope, right? Like absolutely, and you know, a black F1 car is cool, but. Obviously, while it's not all red, red, but I think the red and the black of the Ferrari top tier for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, I think we should well, go to them. Uh-oh. Go ahead. No, I was say if, if I love this Ferrari, but yeah. if we're talking red and black, I think there is a better red and black car okay. later on. We can talk about that. But this Ferrari, I love it. They've gone for all the right color for me. Like, this is the, the amount of black that they have is fitting. It doesn't take it over, and they've done it in the right places. They've also done it in a way where you can actually read the numbers on the, yes. on the wing now, which has always <laughs> been a problem with, with Ferraris. I forgot Do you about remember that. the green? Yeah, yeah. And they had oh all the yellow God. last year, which they don't really have. I'm looking at the car. I don't think there's really any yellow besides, obviously, like the, the no. Ferrari logo on the shell and stuff. So I think mm-hmm. much cleaner. It's all red. Terrific. So why don't we do this? Why don't we just say for Speaking. now, 
Red Bull mm-hmm. than Ferrari, oh. and then we'll keep slotting them in as we go. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. Ferrari, Red Bull. I'm sorry, sorry. Ferrari, Red Bull. Yeah, I'm sorry. Ferrari I was going to say, I'm not having that. <clears throat> Ferrari over Red Bull. All right. Yes, yes. We're talking about all black carbon fiber. Look at my boys. The Mercedes is sick, and it's so smart, right? Because they're going with the all black, as much carbon fiber as possible. Throwback to last good season, right? <laughs> I love... The Mercedes. I don't love George's green. I don't know why no, they've done the that because George is blue, yeah. right? George is blue, like his his color. I don't know why they went with that weird green, but I think Mercedes sick. What you don't like it, do you, Mike? This is the worst one on the grid. It, they didn't do uh, anything, I'm not bro. It's literally no, black no, no, and some stickers. No, 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 There's no design. No. There's, There's more thought than Red Bull. There's nothing. They didn't design their car this, this year. This is smart. This is smart. Yeah, they did. Here it is. It's got black. And it's got bits of blue on it. What? That's not. The cars are black carbon fiber. They didn't do anything. Appreciate no... the genius. <laughs> Mike. I tell you, you what, I'll you put it drinking... all the way down. I'll okay. put it all the way down because okay. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. This is more exciting than Red Bull. It okay. is more exciting than Red Bull. You know what? Just because you're drinking a little too much Mercedes energy, I'll say that Mercedes goes above Red Bull. But boy, yeah. uh, they, didn't, they didn't design a livery this year. They spent the budget I on other love stuff. It. I this, guess. to me, is better if they would have gone silver. I if just, they would have gone silver, that's boring. This is at least something. But Mercedes is the only team, really, well, Bob might be one other, that's actually like, hey, our car is fundamentally different looking this year. Isn't that like the whole point of it for us? Yeah, yeah. I just, I just feel like they just put some stickers on the car that came out of the factory. They didn't paint it. They just threw some stickers on it and called it a day. I, I, I can't. I, I, okay, all right. We'll agree to disagree here. I'm okay yeah. to put Mercedes above Red Bull because, again, Red Bull just didn't do anything, so I think they're yeah. equally guilty. But, like, yeah. Um, All right. about Alpine? Alpine. Let's exclude the pink livery because Agreed. that's nonsense, it's, right? Yeah. That's stupid. The blue-pink, again, I will say for Alpine, they have a very good design in general. Like, yeah. I think the blue and pink, I don't know why it works as well as it does, but it does. And so like, I actually think that they've done a good job. The blue is continues to be that like metallic. Um, and they have integrated black like everybody else really well into the car. I agree with that. Of yeah. like blocking off the colors. I actually really like the Alpine this year. I fully agree. Um, I think right. blue and pink are quite complementary colors. I don't like it as much as Ferrari for reference. But um, I think it's a clean design. I think it looks nice. Uh, I wish they would stop doing the all pink because I just think the BWT is just... I mean, it's literally like they have the giant stickers everywhere. It just looks a little silly. But I think... One of the most awkward moments of Drive to Survive is when Otmar had to go meet the BWT team. And they're just like, Otmar! It's like, oh, I, I can't. <laughs> I would die if I was on Mar in that moment. <laughs> well, you know, though, that that's why the drivers complain. Because, like, all the drivers and the team principals, but especially the drivers, they have to do those things probably yeah. dozens of times a year, yeah. right? Going to sponsored mm-hmm. dinners and doing talks and going to conferences and stuff. So you understand why drivers hate dealing with this. Because it's just like, yay, I'm going to yeah. go tell, tell the same thing about why perseverance is important, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but, yes, I will say thumbs up on Alpine below Ferrari but above everything else. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, McLaren, I don't think... I, I don't understand. I loved the delivery originally. Now I can't stand it. <laughs> I don't know what it is. There's something about the, the way they've done it this year where, like, I don't know if it's because it's Chrome, but I feel like the McLaren is, like, a poorly designed web page. It is 
There so are ads messy. everywhere. Yeah. Like I, I, it is. I don't like it at all. For me, I'm trying to decide: is it above or below Red Bull? I think it's below Red Bull I, because I, yes, I at least yes. like to look at the Red Bull. It yeah. doesn't offend me. Yeah. I don't understand what's happened because I loved McLaren last year, but this year. They've tweaked it in just enough way, put more black in, and now it just looks like a mess. It just looks like a mess. Completely agree. I think they definitely stripped a lot of the paint back. So, I mean, it's, it, I, I feel like the last year's car was a lot more orange. This is like primarily black with some orange sort of accents, but it's the color scheme is fine. I like orange. Yeah. I think black. Uh, the amount of ads they have on this car feels like Ricky Bobby. Like, the only thing we don't have is Lando with a, like, I don't know, a chrome logo across his visor so we can't see, right? Like, I think it is, it's rough. So, I would say McLaren, bottom tier, no doubt. Correct. In my opinion, too. All right. So, Sarah talk about red and black, all right, from earlier. Alfa Romeo. This car is awesome. It is very nice. I'm a sucker for red and black. I think... It looks better than last year. I actually did rate last year's design pretty nicely. So yeah. I'll be curious to see with so I know last year's design had like this sort of weird like sort of wheel configuration where basically as the wheels spun they kind of looked I hated it. Yeah, it didn't look great. They're trying something else again this year, which is the right thing by the way. I think all the wheels on the F1 cars are ugly and stupid. I wish that they had had like some better designs. I understand they're trying to be more aerodynamic and less outwash and blah blah, but I just think they don't look great. But yep. that being said, I think that the just the red accents will look good in motion and still. And I yep. don't like it as much as the Ferrari, I will say. But I do okay. think it's a close second to me. I think it looks very nice. I just think that that Ferrari is so clutch that this is... I will agree with you. Still largely black. Also, the amount of stake ads on here, especially considering the... They're, they're, now, they're now title sponsor. It's yeah. Alfa Romeo stake, I think. I'm not, I'm not excluding, excluding that. I'm just saying like that's something that happened. Yeah. On the day they announced their car, they announced a new title sponsorship with, with stake, which I think is a sports betting company. Yes, and it's just... I, I, I get it. I, I There's some stuff I'm not personally a huge fan of with the company um, and some of the ways that they operate. Yeah, that, I've never heard of them before. So they're the ones who, they sponsor a bunch of people. Uh, if you've ever seen Drake and his many, many gambling antics, it's almost always on stake. I believe he's either sponsored or he owns mm. part of the company or whatever nonsense. Yeah, like, I have no idea. I don't know. It, that. Yeah, but again, uh, you know, we went through uh, a year of all crypto sponsors. Now I feel like we got to move on to sports betting or whatever comes next. Uh, There's I still say, some crypto, but it's not as much crypto. Yeah. I've, Less yeah. crypto. So are we okay putting Alpha in number two below Ferrari at the moment? Yeah, I think that Alfa Romeo have done a better job of red and black, right? Like that their red and black is better, but just the Ferrari red is so striking this year. Yeah. I will say this isn't in the images that we're looking at here, but the Alfa Romeo has the Italian flag across the back wing, which, which is, is very um, nice, like the, which is fantastic. Yeah, which is close. I will say for me, it is a toss up between Ferrari and Alfa Romeo, but for the, for this list, I'm happy to put Ferrari above. Now, Aston Martin, now, this is interesting, because like McLaren, they didn't do anything, but Aston Martin aged better. Absolutely. So, supposedly, they changed the the green, so it's apparently going to look better on TV. Now, I've never seen the the Aston in person, so I I can't really judge for that. I actually thought it looked fine on TV. I get that maybe sometimes it looked a little dark or didn't really pop as much, so I get they did that, but yeah, I mean... uh, they didn't change it, but I think they already had a terrific design. I'm tempted yep. to rank this pretty highly, especially because, yep. unlike most of the other teams, while there is some black, there is some exposed carbon fiber, 
this is actually a proper livery. And I would say that the sort of non-painted sections are very much kept to a minimum. And I think that's my rule for this year. If you didn't paint your car, uh-huh. you get thumbs down from me. So I, I, I'm tempted to put this above Alpine, honestly. I like it I'm on board with that. Okay. I'm on board with that. So between Aston and, uh, and Alpine. Between Alpha or, and Alpha Alpine. And, yeah. All right. So now we move on to Ugh. Haas. Ugh. I mean, it's you better. don't like the Haas? Okay. It's so, it's so, I like the Haas. Here's the thing, and this is actually going to be the exact counterpoint to McLaren. If you look at the Haas, it's like they don't have enough sponsors. <laughs> like, you well, can that's tell- a problem for Haas in general. <laughs> yeah. But congratulations, Haas. Haas MoneyGram. I'm very happy for them that they very have much. like a real, actual, genuine company <laughs> yeah. that is giving them money. That is very good. I think this is great for Haas. I'm very yes. happy for them. And yes. I'm sure you've seen Haas and their tiny pit wall. Have you yes. seen this? I have. They have so a three-person pit wall, which is going to save them a bunch of money, apparently. It's great. Fine. And this <laughs> is the know? first time Haas has ever been able to actually operate at the cost cap, which I still think we should keep a little bit lower expectations. But, I mean, Haas has been a shadow of a team for many years now, and I think it seems like they're actually on the up and up. So I, this this livery is fine. I will say it probably will rank it above the bottom. I just think it looks aggressively boring. It looks like a concept car. It is just black with some huh. white and a little bit of All red. Right. It looks like you know what this is. This looks like the livery I would design if I'm uh, playing F1. That 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 and that's not a so, resounding recommendation. Above or below Mercedes? Above Mercedes. I'm Mercedes is bad. You're 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 crazy. But I will give that to you. I'll put it there because I actually when I saw this because Haas were first, mm-hmm. right? And I saw I was like ooh because I hadn't realized or no one had no one had realized that everyone was going black this year like yeah. I was like oh that's different I like it so I will give them that I I I will say I like the house more than you do I actually think the house is pretty good like yeah I, I'm a fan of it it's fine it's just it's it's just aggressively generic um but it also is much cleaner I will give them that it is much cleaner than the McLaren which has roughly one sponsor per square inch on the entire car but yeah. Yeah, but again, I don't know if that's necessarily Haas's choice. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, how about the But I will Alpha? say, like, Haas get on TV a lot, and they're on Drive to Survive a lot. True. Like, I actually think that they were a pretty, I bet, a good deal, because people know them, yeah. right? Like, if you're coming into the sport, you know who Haas is, which is good. Yeah. Alpha Towery. I could go one of two ways on this. I think on one side... This is the team that has a 100% painted car, or at least almost entirely painted car. Pretty mm. much everything else has significant black. This is pretty much all blue, all white. And I like, obviously, we're just looking at the renders, so it might be a little different person. But it also feels like it's a nicely designed car. If you look at the white, it's not actually like white. It's almost like a subtle gray. You can yep. tell that Alpha Tauri, as a fashion brand, put real effort into designing a car. Like, okay, so compare this to the Haas, right? Both seem to have roughly the same amount of sponsors, which is not a lot. But the Alpha Tauri actually has a cool design, right? Like the entire engine cover looks great. The Red Bull logo looks great. The fact that, you know, they've got that little Orlin sort of pops of red everywhere and that also matches on the wheels. Like this mm-hmm. is a incredibly competently well-designed car. I can't say it's as iconic as like a Ferrari or something, but like if you're just objectively looking at this as a livery design, especially considering that most people just stripped all the paint off and called it a day, this is incredibly high for me. I I love this. But so one thing I will say is these are all of. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the cars 
that have a lot of paint on them might not have as much paint on them come race day. Sure, sure. Very right? reasonable. Like if yeah. you've designed your livery and now everyone's like, hang on a minute. Yeah. Everyone. So, but this is how they are now. What I will say about Alpha Tauri is this is what Red Bull should do because yes. realistically, this is the same as the Alpha Tauri looks always, but it's mm. different. Yes. Right? Like last year it was shinier. This year it looks more matte in its design. Like I think that this is a good, like, enhancement and twist on their standard design which i would like to have seen red bull do i will also i also think this alpha towery looks very classy i think yeah. it is the classiest looking i can't tell you why i feel that way but I, like there's just something about it i think it's done really nicely yeah. they don't have like quote unquote like big sponsors because they kind of are a, you know it's kind of like red bull really right like it yeah. is itself a sponsorship kind of like Haas is mm-hmm. well has been so I would put the Alpha Tauri personally in between Alpine and Huss. I could agree with that. I, I could be persuaded to go above Alpine, but I, I think that's a perfectly reasonable spot for them. I think that the the Alpine will look more exciting on the track. I, I agree. I, the, the only thing that really holds us back is that while I think it's a really nice design, it's not that iconic the colors are fairly muted and i don't think people look at alpha towery and think like oh my god you know these years of pedigree and all this kind of stuff it's just a nicely designed car in a vacuum but it doesn't have a whole lot of of additional Mm -hmm. kind of uh power um and then finally williams so williams are the culprits on why everyone took the paint off because i think williams did it first last year and everyone goes oh that's a good idea it looks fine um it looks uh, the, the same. same. I mean, I like the the fact that they've got a little Duracell battery on the top. Like that gets big points. I think for they me. started that last year. Oh, did they? So I didn't Duracell last year. came on board. Yeah, and I believe by the because at first it was just black, and I was yeah. like, oh, they should make it look like the battery. Yeah, I believe by the end of the season they made it look like the battery. But nevertheless, that is great branding. The 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 Duracell battery. Yes. Yes. Uh, I do think this falls into the same category as the last couple, and it's just there's not a lot of sponsors, there's not a lot of stuff going on, but at least it's a little bit of a design. I don't think it's a super strong statement, so I still think it should be close toward the bottom, but it's not terrible. I think it's just fine. I know people got really hyped up about that maybe it would be like a golf livery, kind of like how uh, McLaren had run a couple times back in the day, but yeah, uh, I don't know where to put this one, man. This one's kind of tough. Uh, bottom chunk for sure. Uh, it's better than McLaren. Uh... Um I, I could say I, in general, I like it more than Red Bull. I do, okay. like I do. I just think visually, it's more exciting to look at. I yeah. wouldn't put it above Mercedes though, because yeah. I think when they're on the track, the Mercedes is going to look more exciting than this. Yeah, even if it is boring, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so should we go through the final rankings then? Yeah, I think we should. All right. So last place is McLaren. Easy decision. Yep. Red Bull after that. Then Williams, Mercedes, Haas, and then the top five are Alpha Tauri, Alpine, Aston, Alpha, and Ferrari. It's a lot of A's all in a row. I yeah, I would that. say I agree. There's something about the Alpha Romeo, uh, while I love it, it is interesting to me to be second, but... I think that this is this is and I do think the Ferrari at the moment looks the most exciting. But again, it's like the the on track rankings change depending on where they're racing. 
if they're under lights, some of these cars look super yeah, different. Of course, you know? yeah, so, yeah. Cool. That's deliveries. We did it. All right, we're almost there. Now we're gonna. Now we should talk about the preview of the season. What I actually do want to run through real quick is the teams and their team principles, because over the break, a lot of that changed. Yes, <laughs> which yes. was in in unexpected ways. So let's kind of. I've got like a a thing here from uh, the F one Instagram that kind of just like it goes through them all. So we'll just go through them as it, as I can see it here. By the way, the link, links to this and deliveries and everything will be uh, in the show notes for the episode uh, if you're not watching the video so you can uh, follow along at home. So right. we have Red Bull. Max same. Stappen, Sergio Perez, Christian Horner, no change. Yep. Uh, same, obviously, Mercedes, Hamilton, Russell, with Toto. Uh, Alfa Romeo... Is Bottas and Joaquin Yu with Aluni Bravi as the yeah. new team principal. Right. And I think that obviously that's uh, Alpha are going through a little bit of a transition right now since they're, um, I don't know the exact percentage. I think uh, Audi have purchased like a 50% stake or something and it's it's growing or something along the lines. But I know Alpha mm-hmm. are certainly, this is the last year I believe that the car will be called Alpha. It is certainly in transition. They've got Andreas Seidel on board, not as team principal, but I believe as. I'm gonna forget his title, but like I, I think believe, it's like CEO. He's basically CEO. Yeah, if, if he hasn't got that title, he is effectively. I expect Seidel to operate in a Zach Brown like manner. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very reasonable assumption. Yeah. Because Zach is the CEO, mm-hmm. but is not team principal. Right. I I always find that interesting the way some teams are made up and how the balance kind of shifts mm-hmm. because like. Toto and Christian are both CEO and team principal of their teams. Yeah. Zach is CEO, but he is not team principal. But he is almost fulfills the role of team principal publicly, yeah. outwardly. It's very intriguing the way that they kind of balance that out. But yeah, so Andrew Seidel moved over from McLaren. He was team principal of McLaren. He's now running the Alfa Romeo outfit in preparation for Audi, yep. is the expectation that that's why he's there. Mm-hmm. And Aluni Bravi has been putting as team principal, but I expect we're going to see Seidel uh, more yeah. often than we saw him at McLaren. I expect we'll be seeing him around. Yeah. yeah. So Alpha Tauri, fairly similar. Yep. So we've got Yuki, yep. we've got Nick DeVries, who is, of course, coming in, who did have that terrific super sub uh, tryout last year, as well as Franz Tost, who probably the most... Uh, quiet of the team principals uh but i like that we got some of him drive to survive this we did year, got, it was got nice. kind of a, a bit of him and then for aston we've got uh, our boy lance stroll who we can talk a little about is having a little bit of a time right now uh we've got uh alonzo who of course has moved over and our buddy mike crack <clears throat> mike yeah. crack i will say it correctly mike crack <laughs> <laughs> he's never heard that one before nope uh nope nope so mike crack Wonderful head of uh, Aston and great, and I'm not going to make any more fun of his name. Uh, he was coming from BMW. Um, he led motorsport there. Yes. And so, he was fully around last year. I think last year was his first full year as, as far as uh, being part of Aston, I believe. So, wait, was he the team principal last year? Yeah. Yeah, totally. 
Yes, he was, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he came on last year because I, I, I mostly know this because yes, uh, there's my a, brain. You know, I, I feel like I don't never really seen the guy. He's no. So I, in my mind, it was like, oh no, he's new. But yeah, he he was there last year as well. Yeah, huh. yeah. Um. So moving on to the second part. By the way, just real quick about Alonso, how funny when he's like, "I'm the villain." Oh, I yeah, loved it. it was good. Oh, man. I loved it. He's like, whatever. I was like, yeah, you are, baby. You're the yeah. villain. He's and like, we love you for it. Uh, so second half, uh, we'll go. I threw a little bit more quickly since there's not quite as many changes over here. Oh, I think you're wrong. This is the biggest. Actually, change. you're right. No, there's a change in everyone. I lied. So we've Except got Gunter. the biggest change, <laughs> and the reason that all of I think a lot of these changes ended up occurring is because Matthias Bonotto was fired. Yes. The rumor is the the rumor was it was all about Eclair. Mm-hmm. That their relationship broke down at Silverstone, yeah. the most important race of the year, yeah. when uh, Mattia was kind of wagging the finger at him, and that changed everything. And so apparently Ferrari really believe in Leclerc and care more about building the team around him than anybody else. I understand that, right? I think he is their best chance to to have a world championship. Um, Ferrari obviously had a disappointing year um, in the middle towards the end as well with yeah. strategy issues. Ultimately, someone's got to pay the price for that. Yep. In comes Fred Vasseur, who has a very good relationship with Charles Leclerc. Yes, yes. And obviously, previously, team principal at Alfa Romeo. So <clears throat> a dude with a very solid CV and already had some sort of Ferrari links. Um, so I'll be curious to see how he's able to put his stamp on the team. But man, talk about a job that I wouldn't want. That for, Being team principal of Ferrari seems like the most pressure-filled, terrible job. I just, yep. Because he's not going to change everything yeah. in six months. I, I actually think, right? obviously, there were problems at Ferrari. I actually thought that Mattia did a pretty good job, especially trying to change some of the culture and not just firing people every time something went wrong and trying to build something in a little bit of a better way. But yeah, I have... All nothing but the best of hopes for Fred. I hope he's able to work it through, and it's all great. Mm-hmm. But man, that's a that's a, a rough job. Not good to be Carlos. I feel like. Yeah, I, right I, now. I, uh, yeah, I do think Carlos has been doing better. Right, I think. No, he's he had a good season, and he, yeah, he yeah. had some great success. But my my point is right, and, and it's because I've been thinking about this. There isn't really anywhere else for Carlos Sainz to go. I think this is the best place for him because. Yeah. The other two teams above him, or the other two teams around, I should say, it's not. It is, it's, not it's unrealistic. But if you're Carlos Sainz, you got to look at like Red Bull and be like, well, they built the whole team around Max. They're very mm. clearly building this team around Charles. Like, what is my place? Yeah, it's comp- I think I think we're about to enter a complicated year for for Carlos. I actually kind of disagree. I think, oh I, oh, I agree with the general thing. I actually don't think this is necessarily going to be that rough of a year for Carlos. I think he is, I, he had some struggles last year, 100%, right? He did not get on top of the car as fast as Charles did. But I think Carlos, by the end of it, was bang on and pretty much doing exactly what he needed to do. And I think going into this year, hopefully he has his footing pretty well sorted. So I actually am not too worried about him, but we'll, we'll of course see. We'll, of course, see. Mm-hmm. Uh, going down the list, we've got McLaren. So we've yep. got Lando, who's the only remaining main uh, core person there. So we've got Oscar Piastri, who you know we've already talked about a little bit, but is coming in uh, incredibly highly rated. Although 
Uh, <laughs> McLaren not looking too good this year, but I guess we'll we'll go about that in a second. And then we've got Stella. I believe it's is it Andreas Stella. I'm actually not entirely Andreas sure Stella. Sure. Yeah, Andreas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which will be because it's helpful. They went from Andrea. Yes, Seidel. That's what Tendra, I was Stella. I had nice and it. easy. <laughs> Zach can only remember one name, and so he just employs Andreas. Andrea, that will do for me. Yeah. Nice and easily. Yeah. Uh, Otmar Safnauer and uh, you know Alpine is team principal, of course. Still, uh, Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly. There is apparently a rival that rivalry there, which we may see yeah. uh, resurface itself, just like over at Haas. <laughs> Where Kevin Magnussen and Nico Hulkenberg with the very famous line that I will not say on the show, uh, but was repeated many times, and (laughs) I really appreciated that at the end where they just they both just said it again. Gunter is gonna have a fun year, I think. I think that this is a great driver lineup for Haas in theory. Yeah. My concern for Haas is that they were like, hey, it worked really great when we brought Kevin back. Let's just do that with someone else. And they're like trying to replicate that. I actually do think it's going to work, yeah, but I'm not sure if it will. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, mm. I'm fairly confident. I think they've got two, two drivers who can outperform the car. And I think if the car is remotely close to the midfield, they will do a pretty good job of doing it. I think this is, out of all the teams and all the cars and all the drivers and everything combined, this is probably the best overall pairing of driver sort of skill and what I hope to be car you know performance and whatnot. I think actually Haas are in store for a good-ish season. I don't think they're going to go anywhere crazy, but I mean, obviously they started out last year really strong, sort of fell off, but I, I, I'd like to think they can stabilize somewhere you know, well clear of like Williams and some of the some of the the back markers. Yeah, I am hoping for good things for Nico. I, I like Nico Hulkenberg, and yeah. I would like to see him have a good year in general. Actually, I would like to see Haas have a good year. I think yes. that would be a really good story for this year. Would be some success for them. And they tried the double rookie that did not work. So now yeah. try double vets, right? Like I, better move. We'll do it that way around. Better I think move. It's a better move for their car and what they have. Yes, I think it is better to put people that already know how to do this in those yeah. seats. Yeah, totally. All right, so now in at Williams, we have uh, Alex Albon. Mm-hmm. We have Logan Sargent, who I'm expecting is going to become the fa- favorite of many I new fans to the sport, many don't, Americans, don't right? Think he will. I don't think that's going to be... <laughs> don't, don't think Why? So. Why do you think this? I, I don't think that many people are going to know or care who Logan is. I know that he uh-huh. is obviously American, but like that's going to get a little bit of press. I think being American, but being arguably one of the least qualified drivers and the worst team on the grid is probably not going to bring him that far up. Obviously wish him nothing but the best. He's got this shot, but he was not electric in sort of the junior formulas. He kind of got in through a series of sort of, whether it's, you know, uh, through, through just a, a series of events, right? That was probably not exactly the plan for him to actually get that seat based on the whole musical chairs that happened last year. Yep. So uh, uh, pretty solid. And then, of course, it's James. James defected James from Mercedes. James Valls is now over at Williams I as the team principal. This is a smart move that, to yeah. me, feels like... It feels like Mercedes is involved in this. No, get out of here with your shenanigans. It's no, it's look, 
I think it's really straightforward. I know there's a lot of speculation that, you know, James is going to replace Toto when he eventually retires and they sent him over to Williams as a shot. And look, I think it's a lot more straightforward than that. James does not have a lot of, or did not have a lot of upper mobility at Mercedes. Uh, He pretty much hit the point. He has the opportunity to become team principal at a team where there's very little downside. They already are quite bad. That's true. They're not, like, he's not going to ruin his career by spending a couple of years at Williams and then trying to decide wherever he wants to go. But at least he will get that sort of free experience. So I actually think that this was a pretty smart move from him. I don't think oh, it I do too. at all for him to go back to Mercedes if he wants to, to potentially become team principal at another team, or maybe bring Williams up. I think there's a lot of upside here and not a lot of downside for James in making this move, especially because it seems like it was quite... Uh, you know, Mercedes weren't upset. He spent so many years with the team. It, it, it seems like it was about as kumbaya as possible. So I don't, I wouldn't be too concerned about it. Oh, I'm not concerned. I, that's what I'm saying. I think that Mercedes were very, very okay with it because yeah. it left the possibility that if, you know, it, you could come back to us one day once you've got that experience. I don't think that they're like placing him. No. But I, I feel like it was maybe a conversation of like, do you think, you know, what do you think? And it's like, no, this seems like a good idea for you. You should go and do this. Like, this is the only progression you can have. Yeah. And the reason I say it is, you know, I think it makes sense for him to be at a Mercedes engine team, right? Like, it's sure. what he knows. And it would help him if he wanted to move back there in the future and take on a different role. We're going to do our predictions in a minute. This isn't one of my predictions. Oh. But it's just something I wanted to talk about, which is... I want to talk a little bit about Logan Sargent. I've been okay. thinking about this. Okay. I think Williams potentially made a mistake here. Now, I don't know his skill. I've not seen the guy drive, and I'm looking forward to it. And I hope, like of all of the rookies, that he's going to do a great job. I, I want him to do a great job. I haven't heard a story of a rookie where it was like, oh, he just made it. Yeah. Right. And like, it's yeah. always like, this guy won F3 and F2, and he's gone to Formula E and he won that as well. And it's like, you know, it's always like, like hit after hit. And yeah. he's just like, oh, he just squeaked in on yep. like one position on a race at the end to get his super license. And my concern is that Williams got too overexcited about the possibility of putting someone from their own driver academy in on the seat. I know why you would do that because how long do you want to be just like, Mercedes's team to just yeah. train up their people, right? Like yeah. I understand the push, but I do wonder like would Daniel Ricardo maybe have been a better fit for you? I think maybe. I don't think they had the budget for Danny Rick. Uh, also I don't That's think true. Danny Rick would have done his uh his career any favors. Say Mick then. Yeah, I I would say Mick was probably a right? smarter move, but look man, I Williams are in a very, very bad space. They need to make something happen, and it feels like they're just swirling down the drain of Formula One, which is so sad for a team. Which, if you know, if you're if you're a new fan, obviously, like a lot of us are, you've only known Williams as the the literal back markers. But it's easy to forget that not that long ago, Williams were absolutely destroying everyone. Everyone fought to be part of Williams. They were dominant. They won so many seasons. They had so many absolutely legendary campaigns. And it's like, it's sad to see Williams where they are. I'm hopeful that they can start to turn things around. But the problem is is that it's a lot easier to slide down the order than it is to work back up, right? And I think once Mm -hmm. you come down and those years of sort of technical debt and sort of brain drain and, and lack of investment, all these kind of things add up to make it incredibly difficult for you to outcompete everyone and sort of gain all that stuff up. So I very yep. much hope 
that they are able to do well. Good, good, good job, Logan, on getting a seat, and hopefully you take this mm-hmm. year well and you're able to, you know, continue on. But yeah, it's rough, man. It's rough. So before we give our predictions to finish out this episode, uh, as we're recording right now, it's the day before the first free practice session in Bahrain, but we've had testing. Testing this year was nothing like testing last year when, mm. for obvious reasons. Testing last year was like, who knows? And it was bananas. It was like, wait a second, all the cars are different. Mercedes is terrible. Right? Like, and it was just like there was lots and lots of stories about things that were going on. And this year, the stories are pretty simple. Yeah. Um, McLaren, the, I, the, probably the two biggest headlines are McLaren is struggling and Aston's surprising. Yes. That's kind of the two things that came out of testing. Everything else, you can kind of just fill in the blank for what you thought was going to happen, right? Yeah. Red Bull's dominant. Ferrari's looking good. Mercedes is better, but still not enough, which is, ah, oh, break my heart. But who knows? But, ah, oh, break my heart. Um, but it's now the interesting thing is like, well, right, when we're on the track, are we going to get Aston versus Mercedes? Like, what's mm-hmm. going to happen here? So that's the thing we're not sure. About. Yeah, and I, I completely agree. I think those two big stories are absolutely. You've got to consider that McLaren look awful, and uh, you know they didn't have a great 2022, right? Like, I mean, no. they the only reason they got even close to competing with Alpine, Alpine and specifically Fernando had a million engine failures and problems, and Lando was an absolute rock star and dragged a ton of results out of the car. Right? Mm-hmm. This car looks. Based on testing, mind you, early result, but that base and as well as you know, McLaren, some of their statements seems bad, seems not good at all. And you pair that with the fact that they've got a couple of what seem to be quite talented drivers. Well, obviously, Lando is super, super talented, but it's not looking good for them. And Aston look like they are on fire. Mind you, having uh, Alonso in the car is always great. He does nothing but impress at how unbelievably good and talented he is. No matter how many grandpa jokes they might make or villain or whatever, he's an incredibly talented driver who I feel like if Aston could give him a car remotely worth fighting for the championship, he would absolutely be in there, right? I just think Mm -hmm. he has done such a terrific job. So I'm excited to see. Now, mind you, there are some heavy speculations right now about Lance Stroll who had some kind of biking accident. Uh, He missed preseason testing. And I know as of recording right now, I still don't think he's confirmed for the race. This morning. You haven't seen it yet. It happened earlier this morning. Did he confirmed confirmed in this morning? Yeah, which I'm I'm still not convinced about. They've done it, but it's like, we're going down to the wire on this surgery he's had here but yeah they they said this morning he will be in the car this weekend oh wonderful okay that's good news because i know that that was clearly a a difficulty because uh essentially they had two people who had never driven astons before doing the testing so i know alonzo specifically was saying how like oh it would have been nice to have lance there because some of the things he thought might have been weird could have just been carried over from last year's car and whatnot so that is terrific i'm glad to hear that so good for lance uh, hopefully that he's able to do uh, a good job i think People clown on Lance a lot because obviously it's never a good look when your dad owns the team and you've got a guaranteed seat and yada, yada, yada. Like, I get that. But also, why I don't think Lance is at the sharp end of the grid as far as talent goes, I also think he's more highly rated than a lot of people give him credit for. And I think with the right car and with a teammate like Alonso, I actually think that that could be a really solid team this year. I don't necessarily buy that they're going to be fully fighting uh, at the top. And it's going to get into my prediction here in a second. But I think that they are... If they don't do much better than they did last year, I'll be incredibly surprised. All right, so predictions. All right. Uh, I am I am champion of predictions. Oh, you did destroy me last year, so that's uh-huh. fair. So, I'm going to I'm going to go first actually. 
Okay, because I want to piggyback on something you were talking about a moment ago for my first prediction. We're going to make three predictions for the season. This time we're actually doing them before the first race begins, which is good. Last year we did not do that. Yeah. Prediction number one, Lando Norris out-qualifies Oscar Piastri in every session that he finishes. Okay, not saying like Q1, Q2, Q3. You mean like he is going to, on the whole of it, 23-0. Whoo! That's a bold one, man. I provided that he doesn't crash, right? So like every time, every every qualifier that like Lando actually completes puts in a time, he will out qualify Oscar Piastri. <sighs> That's bold. I would not make that bet. Uh, no, it is bold. I'm going bold. I'm going yeah. bold to this one. My reasoning for this is. It is a history of Lando, right? Like yeah. he destroyed Danny. I think every single time. No, I think uh, Danny hit. It was like twenty-one and two. It was okay. It was close, but I don't think he completely close enough, him. right? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, I know Oscar Piastri is great. Like yeah. I know this because enough people have told me. I haven't experienced it myself. This is nothing on Oscar. It's like Lando. I think is world champion material. He's just not in the right car, and we know that. Uh, and I think that Lando knows how to drive a McLaren. And so I'm expecting that's what's going to occur. I will say it's very bold. I'm going bold. big on it. I'm uh, yeah, going big on it. No, 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 for sure. I think uh, Lando will take the overall qualifying count this year. I mm-hmm. think it's going to be a lot closer than a clean sweep. But fair well, enough. This was, my original prediction was that he would out-qualify more. I was like, well, that's boring. So I decided <laughs> I'll go with a big one. Because if I'm wrong, so what? But if I'm right, how good will I look? You will you look like I mean? a genius. You will mm-hmm. look like a, yeah, okay. Uh, I've got the safest prediction in the universe. Uh, Red Bull, fastest car, Max, wins the drivers. I just put that on the table, very, very table Oh, safe. snooze fest. Yeah, look, look, man, I'm just trying, look, I got whooped last year because I got a little too punchy, so I'm going to do just another nice, safe bet right. that obviously Max is going to run, run away with it this year. I don't see anything, like, I would be very surprised if it is not a blowout. Like, I, okay, if you want to be more bold about this, how about this? Max clinches the championship with three races to go. How about that? Is that better? I mean, marginally, but yeah, that, that'll do. I have, so I'm going bold again, okay. Oh, right? Okay, geez, you get the lead here, so you're just like, whatever. Why All not? Right. I mean, go let's ahead, have some ahead. fun with it. Red Bull win the first five races. Okay, that's, that is bold. Then things start to get shaken up. Five races in a row? Yes. Man. Oh, Red Bull are destroying the beginning. Unless they have some... Unless, so my own, So this yeah. is my like wider context around this, right? Yeah. Last year, Ferrari were like, ooh, look at Ferrari. And they had a few races in the bag, and then Red Bull took it from them, right? Yeah. And then things started to change, and it started to domino back and forth. From testing this year, it's like, that Red Bull seems perfect. Mm-hmm. Right, and so I just feel like Max and Sergio in and what seems to be a flawless car from testing. Yeah, like yeah. yes, right, like they're just going to destroy it until some until some teams start to you know maybe Ferrari can sure. start to like put something better together, and then and just I just think naturally throughout the year, as we saw last year, things started to get shaken up a little bit. Just I think it's just a natural thing as some teams would progress. My only thing is, my only thing is, Red Bull at the beginning of last season had some real reliability problems. Yep. I think that could be the only thing that could stop them is if they have reliability problems. So I'm assuming that they won't. And I, I feel mean, like if they don't, 
Max is going to win the first five races. That's I, not my pick. It's Red Bull will win the first five races. Sure, that's yes. That's what I think is going to happen. But by race six, they are somebody else has, has taken it. Bold. Well, uh, I am not going to be as bold with this next one, which is also much more like sort of constructor-based. Um, it's going to be about Aston. I think Aston are going to at least finish top five. I hmm. I could push for top four, but I'm I, safe. Best of the rest. Safe, safe. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Well, I still think it's going to be close with them and Alpine. Alpine have not shown their pace at all. I don't know how fast they are, but I think Aston have a real shot of at least being top yep. five. So again, because I lost last year, I'm going to go a lot safer with my predictions. I'm going to yep. do the obvious one that no one's going to be surprised about. I think Aston top five in constructors easily could be top four. I don't think they'll be top three or top two or anything. I think they will be fourth or fifth in constructor, but I'm, I'm just for safety. I'm just going to say top five. So I hope this is true because I would like this to happen. Like I, I have a soft spot for Aston Martin. Uh, I, I would like them to perform better than they have done in the last couple of years. And I also feel like they kind of have to mm, yeah. because of the money they're putting in. And they've got a huge investment over the next few years, right, of building these facilities and doing all the stuff that they're doing. If they can't start to put in better, like if their goals are realistically to win yeah and i feel like every team says it right but i don't believe them <laughs> i don't right because you 20 uh, 10 teams can't all win right of course but they course. all say they want to win they all like <laughs> we're going for the win but i actually believe lawrence stroll wants to do that yeah and he's he is putting it. the money in yeah the the problem is i I don't know. I don't know if Lance is a problem. Like I, I yeah. think Lance Stroll is a better driver than a lot of people give him credit for, right? But I, if they realistically want to be the world champions, yeah, they need a different lineup than the lineup that they've got. Uh, I don't fully agree. If the car is fast enough, I think Alonso could crush it. I think Lance would do a reasonable enough job. Um, All right, but, so th- uh, I'm going to ask you that question then. Yeah. Like, we're going to put that back on you. Go, go. If Aston Martin mm-hmm. had a car yeah. close enough to Red Bull, let's yes. say he was driving this, uh, 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 if you put Fernando Alonso yep. in last year's Ferrari. Ferrari, Do you okay. think they, right? So like, as in like, you know, it's good on pace, right? Like, yeah. let's not say he's in the exact same car mm-hmm. as the Red Bull because that's not possible. Yeah. Put him in the Ferrari. Could he have been world champion? No. Realistically, against Max, Ferrari would. I, I think no driver on the face of the earth could have made Ferrari world champs last year. I think right, let's say did, okay. Let's let let's put Alonso in as as Max Verstappen's teammate. I don't think he would beat Max. I think he'd be a no. hell of a lot closer than Checo, and I think it would be yeah. the most exciting pairing by a lot. I one hundred. But this is me. I'm just I'm testing your like. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. because what I said is I don't think that Aston Martin with their current driver lineup could be the world champions. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think they could. I think, to me, I put Alonso in the very much upper elite class of drivers, which would yeah. be Max, it would be Lewis, it would be Alonso. I would say George is on the bottom, but I think he's still part of that, and I put Lando. I think those, to me, those are like the absolute top-tier mm-hmm. drivers in the sport right now. And I think Alonso, considering that he, I guess, not counting Lewis, is older than most of them by like 2X or whatever, is, is super impressive. He drives a different way. Yeah. No, he's just it's just unbelievable. It's a different way of driving. And he's yep. he's been around for so long that he's got the experience where 
almost anything that could be thrown at him, he's dealt with at some point, and he just is just this ruthless competitor, and it's it's nice because everyone's way. Look, I know he might be the villain. Everyone's too nice. Everyone should be friends. This is competition. Old school Formula One. People hate each other. People crash each other to win the championship. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was raw. It was real. Alonso is, I feel, like the last little gasp of that. Everyone else is just nice and very PR friendly, and we're all buddies and well, blah blah blah. I mean, the thing to remember is like Lewis is that generation, but he just changed his style. Yeah, yeah. Lewis was kind of what changed it, right? Because you even think about yeah. like Seb, right? Like Seb, obviously, in his uh, sort of later years, has definitely kind of changed his re- reputation. Seb was also like. Uh, I don't want to say anything particularly mean, but like Seb was. They uh, were more vicious. They were more yeah. vicious then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People, than, than we, people hated now. Seb. People hated Seb back yeah. in the day, and it was only after he stopped winning and he sort of evolved a little bit that people kind of started to appreciate his character a little bit. All right. All right so, wait. There's uh, second point. Ah, yeah. Uh, Alonso, right? Yeah. I wanted to make a prediction about Alonso, but I couldn't decide out of Alonso is in the top five. Or Alonso leaves Aston Martin. Like I think no, both of these no. things are equally possible. No shot. No, no. There's he's on a multi-year deal. I cannot imagine him leaving. Right. Like as especially with the car looking as remotely competent as it is, I think Alonso is going to be here for this year. I think he'll be here for I next hope year. So. He'll be even for longer. But than I that. just think I feel like I can't predict him. That's my point. Right. Where like there I, was no. I mean, realistically, he was doing great at Alpine. You know what? Here's here's what would get him out of the Aston when he takes over like a Red Bull seat or something. That's the only thing I can imagine getting Alonso out of that Aston right, right now. But that's what, that's what I mean. I think up. he would do it right. Of like he this might, if if yeah. he's not getting what he wants, he will just leave. And that's but kind I don't of so think... my thinking is like, what if that Aston Martin yeah. is the most unreliable car in racing, right? Like, and he is D- he DNFs like seven times in the season. He's not going to want to be there anymore. So this yeah. is what I mean. Of like, I feel like I can't. I, I wanted to make a prediction about him, but I just couldn't decide which area to go down because to me, <laughs> I, ju- I just feel like I can't read him. Yeah. And that's what makes me so exciting. But I, I, I think that there is a possibility he will, with that car, is as good as people say it is. Alonso's going to sneak into that top six in a way that will sure. be very exciting. I, right, I think that, like, he will outperform the car. I definitely think yeah. he will outperform the car and certainly outperform Lance. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. One prediction, official prediction each. Would you like to go next? One, rook- one rookie will outperform his teammate on points. Is that rookie's name Nick DeVries? I am basing this around <laughs> Nick DeVries. Okay. But I'm giving myself, because my other ones are so specific and unrealistic that I thought I'd give myself at least one that I think I'm giving myself a good spread. Yeah, here. yeah. So, okay, so just to be clear, the rookies this year are Nick DeVries for AlphaTauri, Oscar Piastri for McLaren. We've got mm-hmm. Logan Sargent for Williams. You're not counting Hulkenberg, right? No. Like you're talking about true rookies. True rookie. Okay. Like first season in F1. Okay. And this is me. I'm also betting against like, Oh, Piastri is like so much better than we thought he was. You know, like it, yeah. not only is he good, he's <laughs> unbelievable. No. Here, you here's know? The thing. Like, <laughs> you're gonna get one of these two. It's either that yeah. Lando destroys Piastri or Piastri beats Lando, but you've you've kind of like bet on both sides. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is good prediction game, right? There you go. Because I've also made it <laughs> like, wide enough. I can get two points. Guy? Are you the kind of guy who goes to roulette and bets on red and black? <laughs> 
Hey baby, I'm, I've got I've got the predictions championship between the two of us, right? I'm predictions right. world champion, fair, so like fair. I won't I won't argue. All right, all right. Don't, all right, don't all right. hate the player, right? Okay. Hate the game. Uh, my last one's a little bit of an unorthodox one. It actually has nothing to do with the actual drivers or the existing teams directly. I don't think, even though there's a ton of stuff that will be happening this year, and there's the potential for new teams to come in, my prediction is there will not be an eleventh team actually approved by the last race of the year. I don't think uh, Andretti will find their way in unless they end up buying like Alpha Tauri or something else. I don't think they're going to find their way in. I don't think Hyundai are going to be able to do it. Obviously, there's the Ford sponsorship at, um, at Red Bull, who, you know, they've got that all kind of locked away. So my prediction is at the end of 2023 season, there will still be 10 officially confirmed teams on the grid. Now, if that happens next year, whatever, sure. But I think this year, as much as there are a lot of proposals to potentially add one to two more teams, I don't think it's going to happen. I think the existing teams are going to completely block it as hard as they can. And as much as everyone might want Andretti, Cadillac, and Hyundai, and whoever else wants to join, I don't think it's going to happen. All right, so here's my question for you. Yeah. What if we're two weeks away from the end of the season and the FIA says there will be an 11th team next year but doesn't say anything else? Uh, my prediction ends at the last race. So anything happens after that? No. no but, so yours is like it ha- they have to be named. Like if... yeah. If F1 came entry. out and said there will be 11... Ah, oh, come yeah, yeah. on. No, 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 because I don't come think it's going to happen. Come on. Okay, okay, how would you want me to do the prediction then? Did they never no, like, get it? it? No, 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 no. My, my question... like, So what you're, I think the way you're saying is like, yeah. oh, it's like two weeks before the end of the season, and they're oh. like, oh, okay, next year... Uh, Honda okay. is joining the sport, right? I'm only saying well, I'm that. saying if they if they come out and say there will be 11 teams, we will confirm which one during the, the winter break. Okay, if there's a heavy rumor, my thought is for our last episode this season, we're going to wrap up the whole thing. At that point when we record that episode, there will be nothing confirmed and it will look very unlikely. Obviously, it could still happen, and if there are heavy rumors that it's going to happen soon or whatever, there clearly will be no new teams on the grid for 2024. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that a team will be officially not approved. There will be no teams that are officially approved to actually join the grid as a new team in the year 2023. That is my prediction. Okay. Well, that's it. Whew. That was a lot. We had a lot uh-huh. to catch up on. Uh-huh. I'm so excited, man. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. I've got all the practice sessions in my calendar. Like, I don't usually watch free practice sessions, yeah. but I am just ready to go, man. <laughs> I am ready to go. I'm so excited. I am too. It's good to be back. It's good to also have Formula One back. I'm very excited to see how this season goes. But, uh, whoo. Did you just dip? No, my camera just died. So, if you're watching the video, <laughs> we've had it. My camera's had enough now. An hour and 17 minutes in. That's enough. <laughs> what a so perfect way that, to end the episode. <laughs> with that, thank you for listening to this season preview of the Backmarkers. We'll be back with you later on in the season to do some... Uh, we'll, we'll fill you in on what's going on if you're not watching already, but come on, you're going to be watching. Yeah. Uh, if you want to find us online, you can go to backmarkers.live where you can catch the video. Backmarkers.fm is where you can catch the audio. Uh, I'm Mike Hurley and he's Austin Evans. Until next time, say goodbye, Austin. Goodbye, my friends, and good luck to the very exciting 2020.